0: Hello and welcome to the SEO SES podcast, where your hosts are myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO content executive at Holland & Barrett, still getting used to saying that um, because it's still a fairly new job title to me. And of course, the wonderful, extraordinary, hiking enthusiast and baking extraordinaire, Hannah Bryce, SEO manager, also at Holland & Barrett. Why are we called SEO SAS? That is a very good question. We are called SEO SAS because we like to think of ourselves as your special answering service when it comes to SEO. Quite frankly, we are nerds on the subject and we love nothing more than spending our spare time away from work talking about SEO. So each week we'll delve into a interesting topic, debate, subject. We'll also get guests on as well uh, to talk about other areas. So yes, with food, we are on a tour to make SEO interesting, fun and accessible for all. Now, you may notice that there's a certain missing voice from this week's podcast, Um, because unfortunately, Hannah is in Scotland right now. She's left me, left me alone. I'm I'm hoping she's having a wonderful time. Um, But it does mean that, sadly, she can't be here for this week. However, do not fret, because... You're not just going to be left with me and my inner thoughts about random stuff. That's probably not even going to be related to SEO or even marketing. I have got today a awesome guest joining me and her name is Martina Simon. And she is a digital enthusiast been in digital marketing for a decade and on her LinkedIn profile, she is, she has put dissect, Dissecting Digital since 2010, and she's also head of digital marketing at Informatech. So welcome to the podcast, Martina.
1: Thank you very much. Really, really happy to be here. You, uh, you missed off the fact that I'm actually wearing my search engine optimization t-shirt from Brighton SEO that you are. Uh, You failed to mention (laughs) there.
0: Oh, well, I do apologise. I do apologise. How many SEO t-shirts or SEO related t-shirts do you have?
1: Oh, for my sins, just the one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got into a habit of just collecting far too many t-shirts, but I knew at the time that as I was collecting them, I wouldn't really wear them. And they just sort of, because when do you wear an SEO
1: t-shirt really? I mean, now is a great opportunity, I suppose, but
0: I don't know. Yeah.
1: This is the perfect opportunity to wear one, but I've I've also worn this to the gym and gotten a few funny looks <laughs> while I was on the treadmill. But I think you know,
0: <laughs> I like it. Is that because people are trying to work out what your t-shirt is saying and they don't understand, and then they then they get a bit awkward because they've been staring
1: at your t-shirt for a while and they're like, oh gosh, I need to look elsewhere. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's that. It's also that misconception that SEOs never leave the desk. So, why um. am I? But um, yeah, I guess we'll never know. I mean, uh, it makes me sad that SEO
0: isn't, like, gets the reputation of being the, the less sexy discipline in marketing because
1: I'd know. have to disagree. It's so sexy. It's so sexy. You don't <laughs> need to make it accessible. It already, it's already there, I feel. There we go. There's a debate in itself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so before we sort
0: of get into the meaty subject, of um this week i've just realized that I've, I've said that you're joining us but i haven't said what we're talking about um, so that will come later um, but what i think would be quite fun and what we always do with guests is a fun quick fire so we just want you to like answer with the first thing that comes into your head okay
1: let's do it sounds okay. awesome
0: <laughs> right okay starting now what's the most
1: boring thing ever Oh, the first thing that came into my head was watching paint dry, but I've never watched paint dry. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's so boring.
0: Exactly. That's probably why. Apple or Android?
1: Oh, Apple. Every time. Last book you read? Uh, The Ten Types of Human by Dexter Diaz. What are you scared of? Oh, that's a that's a big question. Um, Come on, quick. No thinking creepy crawlies i mean fair
0: they they're not the most beautiful things in the world are they <laughs> are roasting is acceptable all year round
1: absolutely oh yeah two yorkshires
0: Two. Oh my gosh oh, yeah. uh-huh. are we talking homemade or you know like your aunt bessie's frozen
1: I like the Aunt Bessie I do like the giant Aunt Bessie's ones. <laughs> um if I go for a pub lunch, then yeah, obviously it's homemade. It's gotta have gravy inside and oh. now I'm gonna talk about Yorkshire's and the SEO. I mean I, uh, I digress. I mean it's dinner time right now and I've not <laughs> eaten
0: yet, so can I think I need to like move on. Um oh well, no, I'm not moving on because the next question is related to food. Strange food habit.
1: Oh. Um <sighs> quite liking charred not quite burned but like I like my toast super dark I like my chips really crispy on the edge of burned but I'm a fantastic cook I promise but I quite like that's not that's not sold that at all but yeah that's a weird thing I like
0: Uh, each each their own each their own (laughs) name a word that starts with p
1: pretentious (laughs) great word
0: (laughs) say good day mate in your best Australian accent good day mate I mean, it's like I'm talking to an Australian. Last thing you drank? Uh, water. Oh, I mean, uh, that's very good. H2O, we need to we stay
1: need hydrated. To,
0: yeah, stay hydrated. Good for your skin and all that palaver. Uh, what are you missing most during lockdown?
1: Oh, uh, like live music gigs. Ooh. Yeah. What, that's one of my favorite things? What was the last gig that you went to? Oh, what was the last gig that I went to? It was a... Oh, gosh, that's a great question. It's <laughs> been that long, but I can't remember.
0: Gosh. Or was it a festival? Was it more of a no, uh, I think local like thing? A re-enactment.
1: Yeah, it was, I think it was in was XOYO, I think, but it was like a reenactment of uh, Kanye West's uh, music, but not with him doing it with a live orchestra. Ah, that does sound interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Ah, well, uh, you survived the quick fire round.
1: Woohoo, I'm <laughs> so worried about what's to come. You said that <laughs> so let's see.
0: Well, no, like I feel that we and our, we, me and listeners know you're a little bit better now. Uh, so more, uh, to moving on then, um, can you tell us a brief overview About yourself and how you got into the wonderful world
1: of digital marketing and SEO. Absolutely I started my journey in digital um, probably sort of before I was in a career and what I mean is we all use you know our older siblings computer Uh, we had an old Windows 95 I think it was Um, and you don't you know you become technically savvy or technologically savvy before you start it at school when you're playing on Microsoft Paint and doing all those things. Um, and I just really like the creativity that it allowed. You know, you could go on and create pictures, and I used to write stories and things and just sort of visualize my, you know, I'm, go- I'm always going to work in an office. That was sort of <laughs> the mindset that I had. Um, so I sort of picked up um, an interest in tech when I was sort of using the computer a lot when I was younger. and. Uh, went off and studied law at university um, because I was super interested in it but that sort of creativity and that interest in tech never went and never waned Uh, so after four years at uni uh, I decided that before I was going to get into law as a career I would you know try out tech and and digital and um, do an internship so in 2010 when I graduated um, probably gives my age away slightly there (laughs) Um, I went into a digital marketing agency locally um, and just uh, applied for sort of an internship and, and I got it and uh, the idea was that I would stay there for a couple of months and see if I liked it and uh, four years later I was still there, <laughs> um, not as an intern, they, they'd taken me on there as permanent staff, I wasn't still interning but I um, and, and decided yeah I never looked back so after uh, being in an agency for four years I went client-side uh, which is where I now am. And um, what was fantastic is that my journey started with being exposed to all the different elements of digital because I was in that agency environment. So that was PPC, that was SEO, that was web development, that was design. And it really just gave me a fantastic overview of everything there was to offer in digital before I, I kind of went off and, and, and started to make my way.
0: Hmm. I love I really love asking the question about how people got into the in- industry because it's just so interesting that like people get into digital marketing and SEO in like lots of different different ways. Um and when you say so obviously you've done agency side and client side. Um mm-hmm. so I've recently um like come away from agency and obviously internal at Holland and Barrett. Um mm-hmm. and it's just such it's so different um, because they both have like their challenges and their benefits and stuff Um, but what I like being internal at Holland and Barrett is I just feel like there's more time and more sort of yeah more time to get stuck into stuff and um, because when you're agency side you just there's never enough time to do everything is there.
1: Yeah you're you're pretty much inundated with clients across different portfolios I mean the, the the sort of gift and the curse of it is that it's so mixed and it's so varied so the time element like you say isn't there but the exposure is fantastic so you get a taste of b2b and oh yes and yeah and all of these things but yeah it was really really busy
0: and you get, like, agency side, because I've worked, is it two different agencies? And um, because of that, you get to work in, like, different sectors and industries as well, which I think helps you become a, a better marketer as well, because obviously it's not a one-size-fits-all, is it? You have to, like, find out what works for that industry and and learn from it. Um, we got you on today. Uh, we, the Royal We, it is just me, because Hannah's in Scotland, like I said. We said that we'd talk about the evolution of on-page and off-page from Panda to Bert. So, first things first, I think it's good just to cover some basics. Can you explain what Google's Panda algorithm update was and focused on?
1: Absolutely. So, Panda came about in 2011. Um, and really, that long? It was that long ago. Really yeah, long. I remember vividly. I say vividly. I <laughs> I hope it was 2011 now I've said that but yeah no I it came about in 2011 and revolutionized um the game in a way um I got into for me because I got into digital uh, as a career in 2010 so it was a year in when you know you finally feel comfortable with the technology and the terminology and everything and then everything changes and what happened was people were I called it sort of change the game people were gaming the system by mm. uh, creating you know not well thought out content and not very useful content, but content that would rank by using specific tactics, like stuffing loads of keywords that, you know, would come up for the search term on their site, but it wasn't very relevant to what the user's query was. Mm. Um, Would do other things like, you know, buy loads of links on a directory or a content farm that, you know, it was, it was really low quality stuff, but they, it was getting the job done. Um, and Google wanted to tackle that and and improve the user experience. Um, Released this algorithm update that kind of punished websites that had quote unquote, thin content. So content that wasn't full body, that didn't necessarily help the user and wasn't relevant to the search query that that the audience had put in. Um, And the rankings dropped for a lot of these websites that were using those black hat tactics. Um, And you know, those backdoor tactics to, to rank. So it meant that the, being in an agency and I won't name any clients. I can't remember <laughs> half of them, but um, websites that we were managing dropped off. Um, and, you know, there was panic in the industry about how to tackle it because for a lot of people, you know, buying links to rank was the, the main thing they were doing to be visible. Mm. Um, and Google wanted it to be about uh, authentic, useful content across the web for everyone. So Panda was kind of the way of sort of cracking the whip um, mm. And they were doing things before that, but I think Panda was the really big one that everybody remembers as, as changing things in a significant way.
0: Oh yeah, so um, definitely. So with um, Google's algorithms, like they're constantly tweaking it, isn't it? But um, mm-hmm. when an algorithm update gets a name and they always get weird and wonderful
1: names, don't they? They <laughs> animals and, and one's beginning with P. Panda, really <laughs> pigeon, crazy um
0: yeah so obviously the times where um, yeah when when one gets named and um, people talk about it is when like there's a update that sort of seems to affect quite a lot of different people um mm-hmm. and yeah panda was needed and I do think, yeah, at the end of the day, Google is wanting to make sure that the content that it is supplying to its users is authentic, it is quality, it is relevant, it is factually correct as well. So, um, yeah, they're going to constantly be evolving, aren't they? Um, which sort of leads on then to BERT. Um, so <laughs> whenever I hear about Google's Bert I do think of Sesame, Street's Bert <laughs> in er- Sesame Street <laughs> yeah. I just see that straight away the eyebrows <laughs> oh my gosh the eyebrows um so yes what does Bert stand for and can you explain a bit about what Bert is um sort of yeah in a nice way to sort of
1: understand Nice. I'm me now with that acronym. Um, this <laughs> late on a Thursday, uh, Five-directional <laughs> encoder representations from transformers, um, which is a bit of a mouthful, but it's an easy way to say um, machines that are becoming, uh, I say, with cognitive tech. So the idea is that transformers, uh, not the ones from the movies, but that that theme is now in my mind, Um, they sort of live crawling the web and constantly they're dealing with user queries to try and return the information that you want. So you pop a search term into, into the search engine and the results that come back are hopefully around about what you want. And previously, the way that Google uh, were doing that with their AI was to kind of use a lot of historical data from the rank brain uh, algorithm um, and look at, you know, if somebody put in um, the highest uh, point in France or something, they might get results for the Eiffel Tower, things like that. but it was it, it wasn't necessarily using things like NLP, so natural language processing and, and using the actual terms that people use, including things like colloquialism. Sometimes we use slang when we search. Mm. There's a no way for a computer to necessarily know that. And Bert is trying to tackle that by looking um, not just the sort of the search term up to a point. So returning the Eiffel Tower for you know, a search about high points in France, um, but looking at the actual words, every word in that query. Um, and trying to sort of understand what that means. So it's become a lot smarter. It's kind of like training the AI. Um, and so the kind of the coolest thing, or the I think it's cool <laughs> 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 about this algorithm update is that it's bi-directional, the way that the transformers look. So they look at the beginning of the search term, the middle of it, and the very end. So they're, they're looking at every word. Whereas previously, um, I don't know, if somebody put in, um, you know, what, shoes to wear hiking they might get results previously for different hiking boots which is perfectly fine um, but with Bert coming into play they'll get those results for what shoes to wear hiking but Bert will also look at hiking and potentially return you know other sports and other things so you can get you know shoes for different sports so it's it's a more sort of qualified query not just the thing I'm looking for but other things that probably relate to it mm. um, so it's, it's kind of um you know, if you think of the Turing test and, and what that stands for, you know, when Alan Turing said, you know, if you can, if a computer can ask you a question and a human can, and you can't determine which of those questions came from the computer, um, then the computer has passed the, the the human test or the Turing test. And that's, I think, what AI is trying to become um, yeah. with birth.
0: Ah, I mean, this whole subject about sort of AI, machine learning and it's really fascinating isn't it and and it's kind of scary at the same time as well um because obviously machines and computers they're constantly learning and as they constantly learn they're going to get better aren't they and um yeah and then then, then, well (laughs) what will humans be needed anymore um but i mean that's a whole different conversation altogether
1: um we'll leave that combo to elon musk with his (laughs) his theory (laughs) I'm not sure I mean that's what it's it's becoming it, I mean ultimately we want to rely on computers and you know tech to without the human intervention piece, and you know that sort of speaks to things like chat bots and mm. all types of you know your your tag um assistant and your series and things. We want them to become qualified to be able to answer things without us having to spell them out um the same way that I could talk to you and say you know um Oh, what's going on in the big smoke? And you know that I mean London. Hopefully <laughs> yes. you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you would as a human, but you know, does the computer know that without us oh, having to, yeah. Yeah, we, the uh. computers want to get to that level ultimately? Um and yeah, I think that's the way things are heading in terms of the understanding. So that I think
0: you've explained there really well, um, both like Panda and Bert, and obviously both a sort of um, what do you call them initiatives? Like, I sometimes need Hannah here because she's better that, with words than what I am. Um, <laughs> but, but obviously, like with both Bander and P- Bert, they're both ways of Google bettering um, what it's offering. But I'm guessing Bert is just such a game changer compared um because of yeah how it can better understand what people are searching for because if it can better understand what people are searching for and they can better understand the intent the quality of the content and the quality of the answer is going to be better and the less of a headache like the less uh, time you have to spend scrolling through pages because you still can't find the right answer so very interesting um okay so do you do you think BERT is already impacting SEO? And if so, how?
1: I think it... So I think from my understanding, it's um, it's only run via Google in one in every 10 searches. And I think it sort of started oh, okay. all out in the States. So in terms of the impact that it's had so far, it's definitely going to have had an impact, but not on the scale that I think it can become in the next decade or so. Hmm. Uh, as Google acquire more, you know... um you know online real estate we'll call it um you know as more people start to use the internet um and the the dialect changes and the sort of the way that we we web surf change i mean when a huge thing in in digital was when uh mobile finally surpassed desktop as the device people use to browse the web um but what that's obviously birthed as well uh, is a lot of voice search stuff Mm -hmm. so in terms of the information that's being collected, that will help the AI improve as well because it needs to sort of work for the way we use technology. Mm. Um, I think it's on the way. I don't think it's necessarily there yet. But um, the fact that they've developed something that uh, is looking at that is interesting. Um, They made the tool uh, open source, I believe. So Bert came out in 2019, um, but the tool was made open source for any developer to tap into in 2018. So if you have a website and you want to sort of, quote, unquote, train your robot. And please forgive me for using that for, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase. But if you wanted to kind of test around how you could use it and how you could prove it, improve the AI, you were, you were allowed to, similar to the way that WordPress um, is open source and developers can build their own plugins and things. So I right. think the, the more sort of use of it and the, the rollout of it and the information is collected, is going to improve what that product becomes, what that algorithm becomes ultimately.
0: Mm. And I mean, it's interesting that... Um yeah that BERT is only used one in ten because I imagine it will get to a point where it's always used um because that's the goal
1: isn't it or is that too yeah, sweeping <laughs> I they, roll, they roll things out Google tends to roll things out slowly slowly um and which makes sense like any sort of change that they, they put in place to see what it's doing and how it works but also yeah. Google have got you know they pride themselves on algorithms that were approaching BERT long before BERT came along you know with page rank um Named after Larry Page, who's you know one of the creators of Google and and RankBrain as well, which was probably the game-changing AI algorithm update that they had before. But so I think they don't want to replace what was working, but they they want to learn and continue to machine learn with, with these new ones.
0: Mm. Um, I'm really enjoying this conversation by the way Like I feel like my brain is just (laughs) being brain food isn't it Okay so with Bert then And I'm still picturing Sesame Street um, (laughs) But do do we need to be changing things how we are or used to be well yeah so how we do how we tackle seo and the things that we do now with Bert, is there anything that we need to do differently or things that we need to consider or things that we need to be thinking about a bit differently
1: yeah yeah i definitely think so i think google i mean i you know i'm not to speak for them but the (laughs) The end game. Official spokesperson here. Exactly. As the official spokesperson for Google, um, we think, no, I think the the end goal with the algorithm updates from Panda, from, um, you know, Penguin, from Pigeon and all of that was to move away from trying to game the system with, um, you know, the technical piece and making sure that there are X number of links on a page or X number of keywords being used or whatever. Um, And away from that sort of sequential use of um, SEO. To more Sorry. of a, to more of a contextual use where it's all about what you're actually saying. Because I think ultimately Google could prize, um, you know, a new website the top of the search because it somebody who doesn't know SEO at all but knows their subject passionately. They tag all the right things on their site because that's what you should do. You would name a page. You would link to something that's relevant, and that could beat somebody trying to go after dodgy links because Google wants a natural result after you know over a perfect result. Um, mm. And I think if, you know, if one piece of advice to anybody in SEO who's interested in it, but doesn't know all of the background and the technicalities is just to create great content. Um, and I know that that's cliche and, you know, the <laughs> whole content is king, but it is around what you're saying and not necessarily the technical way that you, you say it, um, at least in my opinion and kind of from my experience.
0: Ah, oh, Okay. Now, my next question, I don't know if it's a bit of a weird one to answer, but let's go with it anyway. Um, But can you see any disadvantages um, with Bert?
1: I can. I mean, I don't know if you've seen The Social Dilemma yet, the new Netflix um, special that's being bombarded, but it's about specifically the way psychology is being used to tap into um, an audience and, and kind of help us become more addicted to tech. Hmm. Uh, but one of the points they made in that was that I could be sat right beside you um, and Hannah could be there. Um, because <laughs> they could be us, and we could all have a different result from a search on our phones, from the same search on our phones based on personalizations and things. Hmm. Because Google's now starting to predict from, you know, our search history, from, um, you know, other bits and bobs they've collected about us what it thinks it wants us to you know to return what it thinks it we we want to see the the disadvantage of that potentially is that it's you know it starts to offer you the result and takes the choice away in a sense um because it's trying to predict that same predictive sort of technology that's using is very assumptive um and i don't know i mean it's very subjective as to whether that's good or bad but depending on what that result is is then the conversation about whether that's you know the ethics of it all um mm. a news result is that news result political is you know what i mean it starts to tap into things outside of things that can influence you in a different way um of course we want everything to be ethical and everything to be useful that we find on google but it's not and we know that um but so I, I don't think, think
0: every- sorry just to jump in here i don't think everyone does know that do you know what i mean well, well this is yeah. <laughs> uh, well
1: yeah that's but that's that's why it's subjective because you would yeah. go in you know, on a search you know people worry about their children using the internet because of what might come back um and it's less and less about a setting that you can put in place to see specific results if google are now combining you know search histories i keep saying google but you know any search engine yes are, are starting to use um personalization in a way that maybe isn't um mm what you want so if there is a disadvantage then potentially that's it personally i think it's if it can get to where we need it to get to it's really helpful i mean how much time do you save already being logged in having predictive search oh yeah you know it's fantastic so i think i'm obviously biased but i can definitely see why people might see it as a disadvantage
0: no it's really interesting and um as you were talking about the ethics side of it and taking away choice and stuff have you seen oh is it called the great hack
1: on netflix
0: i've yet
1: um, to see the right, but i've heard lots about it yeah like
0: oh that, that's an eye-opener um mm. i mean it's a little bit different because it's talking about um how um cambridge analytica used this is where like i'm really wrecking my brains here because i'm t- talking about technical stuff and i'm not a technical person per se um but yeah it was about cambridge, cambridge analytica using um ai machine learning this sort of thing um to uh, yeah uh, use that to its advantage to sway people's uh opinions when it became came to politics and voting i, I have seen it
1: ignore me i have seen it yeah I've, uh, oh my days <laughs> I it, down it, that it... many docs on, on the ethics of tech that i'm forgetting yeah with the um the lady that that worked as part of that campaign is a is a spokesperson throughout the mm essentially i think i mean
0: i'll definitely link to it because i do think people need to be more aware of um yeah what they're being exposed to and um yeah anything because i do think because there's a the there's the fake news sort of element as well that sort of ties into this but i do think that um i don't know it's a bit scary because because you can act because content is so accessible Um, I think some people, and this is quite sweeping, um, and I've sort of done it as well, but people sort of take things as gospel when they don't really, when you've got to think, okay, where is that information coming from? Is it a trusted source?
1: Um, who owns that source? Do you, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what—that's more of an issue of monopoly, isn't it? It's the fact that when you think of sort of Murdoch and the news empire and the fact that he owns pretty much all of it, it's the same issue people have when facebook you know are instagram and they're this and they're that and they're microsoft. the microsoft the monopoly is what's causing the issue because you can't really escape something like google or facebook mm-hmm. or instagram and when the same three or four companies own all of the tech the same message is going to be repeated throughout it so i think it's so important when it comes to sort of you know um new initiatives that spark up and new apps and things that aren't owned by those conglomerate tech companies oh yes definitely. A single message um, but I do love those tech companies for the benefit <laughs> of listeners. yes um, but yeah so I, I think is it the technology which is trying to be um useful to the user or is it things like the monopoly and the sort of lack of yeah. share of folks uh, and at the end content- of the
0: day t- And at the end of the day, um, Google and other search engines are always looking at ways to better themselves and making sure that the content is um, reputable and um because also you've got eat as well um but yeah um i'm just looking at the time and time is flying and i feel like we've just scratched the surface but you're just gonna have to come back and we're gonna have to debate more i think um (laughs) so um probably time for two more questions so on the sort of birth um on the BERT thing um what is there any resources articles that you can recommend or anything i mean anything that you sort of say
1: i can link into the show notes sure yeah i think a fantastic one is search engine land uh their blog is one that um is fantastically up to date with all things seo um and then of course the great uh, moz uh, oh yes Love Mars Whiteboard love, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yeah, love and Moz anything really. Their tools are brilliant. But I think those are two key ones. And then they they often link off to loads of other ones in their footnotes. So I think those are good starting points.
0: Okay, awesome. Okay, and then because we've sort of been talking about like algorithms and um, Google and search engines bettering themselves, um, what has been your, what was you, what would you say is your least favorite algorithm update and why? Well, oh, that
1: is a great question. I think like, controversially, um, and al- almost counterproductively, because I, I do think that we do need to be. Everybody does use a mobile, um, and it's fantastic that there's an extra boost for websites that are mobile uh, optimized and responsive. But mobilegeddon um, made a lot of people very angry <laughs> um, because that update um, sort of punished websites that weren't responsive and, and sort of ready for the mobile world or boosted ones that were should we say um but that was a time that most people weren't ready to update and switch to a responsive model so it it was sort of advice google were offering for years but when it came i think it was a little bit of a shock to the system for certainly from some Mm. clients i was working with um i'm still working on websites that aren't terribly mobile responsive and and that can be a pain so i think
0: yeah sorry that just seems crazy in this day and age not having
1: a website. And I mean, I have stories I can tell you on that.
0: <laughs> I mean, but I've even like where websites are created nowadays and and mobile even though more and more people like as as we said or as you said mobile surpa- surpassed desktop, but um, websites are designed first for like desktop, isn't it? And it just seems a bit well, if people are using mobile, and that's where people are going to do you design for mobile first and then do you know what i mean is, is there
1: responsive i mean i won't go off on a tangent but i think it started off with people having two versions of a website one for mobile one for desktop and that's just not manageable at scale no um, so now it's just building a responsive website that's good across all devices from the very beginning
0: okay so before okay I mean this has been a flipping wonderful episode and I've loved chatting to you about this so is likewise. there anything sorry
1: I said likewise <laughs> it's Been delightful.
0: um before we move on to the feature, yes is there like anything else that you want to say on the Burt subject or are we good to move on for now
1: on Burt yeah Burt's quite it's in its sort of nascent stages it was released in 2019 and there's information if you go looking for it but I think it is still very much developing so not too much more I think just keep an eye out on it and and updates around it
0: right it's feature time then oh drum roll drum roll (laughs) so to give our listeners a bit of background so this week's feature is all about tea and that is because uh, when we were discussing about you coming on the podcast and I said about the feature and I asked you what you'd like to be sort of quizzed on, you said tea and coffee. Can you give our listeners like a brief sort of reasons why, like, do you just love tea and
1: coffee or is there more to it? <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> there's, not really, there's not some, unfortunately, really, you know, cool deep dive story about how I got into tea and coffee uh, the caffeine keeps me awake <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm very I'm very uh, caffeine sensitive so as much as I love I do love coffee and I do love tea and have grown up on on tea um you know as a as a, as a Brit as you do uh yeah. it's just because it's great but then when I started you know working and being able to afford some nicer brands I started you know investing in nicer cups of it and and you know going to the nicer places and um yeah, really just developed a taste for it, really, both of those.
0: And I mean, I think there's there's two facts that I know that you that you're not said yet. Um about you, you won a wittard competition
1: and your podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the Wittard one I didn't know if I was gonna sh- say here, but since you've uh, <laughs> since you've outed that I mean, I try,
0: <laughs> I was trying to get you to naturally <laughs> say it. Um,
1: no, yeah, so no shame in that at all. But um I think <laughs> the fact that I've had to open with that. No, as part of, it's weird, there's, um I can't remember the name of the site, I will send you the link after if I remember, but as part of, uh, when I went to an agency, there was a a lady that would offer uh, guest post services, Um, uh, you know, and one of hers was a competition. So I clicked into it and it was a tea competition, you know, write about tea and why you love it uh, for Whittard and win a prize, and I entered and did win. Well, um, yeah, that was, that was quite a few years ago now, but I'm still very proud of it. The tea's long gone, but um the prize <laughs> stays. Um, My podcast. Yeah. So the Ambiance podcast is um, a fun project that I started around a year, a little over a year ago with a friend of mine. Um, We've only got three episodes, um, but loads of sort of um, ideas about where else we're going to take it. So it's available on Spotify and iTunes and things um, about, yeah, we we visit different coffee shops and discuss current affairs um, and just things that we're interested in in those coffee shops while getting highly caffeinated. So do check that out. Sounds awesome.
0: Sounds awesome. Right. Okay. So I'm going to test you on your tea knowledge now. Uh-oh. Um, so question number one. <laughs> How many cups of tea are consumed in the UK on a typical day? It's multiple choice, so don't worry. Okay. Uh is it a six hundred uh six hundred and fifty thousand? is it b 6.5 million is it c 65 million or is it d 165
1: million it is i'm gonna go for 165 million yes there you can see look
0: there we go first question right you're doing well okay if you, are, if you are enjoying a lovely pot of afternoon tea accompanied by scones, sweets and finger sandwiches, what is that called? Is it high tea? Is it B, low tea? Is it C, proper tea? I don't know why I had to say it like that. I just had to say it in a weird way. Or is it D, modern tea? If you're consuming, when did you say? What time of day? Oh, Afternoon. What if afternoon. you're enjoying a pot of afternoon tea accompanied by scone sweets and finger sandwiches, I mean I'm very hungry. <laughs>
1: um I would say it is what a, afternoon tea? No, that wasn't even an option. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know what the question was. Sorry, I butchered that. <laughs> <Hockey. Sorry. laughs> So I you asked me the question and gave me the answer in the same mouthful, but I could be wrong. No, right. So if you're enjoying
0: a pot of afternoon tea accompanied by scones, sweets, and finger sandwiches, is it mm-hmm. called high tea, low tea, proper tea, or modern tea?
1: Low tea. Yes. Oh, there you go. High tea. Yeah. High tea is with um more of like a, a bigger meal. Ah, see, I've got a little,
0: I've got some notes next to this and it says, although many people confuse afternoon tea as high tea, it's actually called low tea in the UK. High tea is served in late afternoon slash early evening after the workday ends and often involves heartier
1: fare, such as meat pies. You know your stuff. This was part of the uh, Wittard competition, I'll have you know. (laughs)
0: Okay, uh, next question. It's a bit of a weird one, going a bit um, outside the box, if that's the saying. Um, so how many teas do you reckon you could name in 30
1: seconds? I mean, I can give it a go. I'm not a tea expert. I'm a tea enjoyer, but I will definitely give it a go. So, I mean, so the, this question
0: is, you need to estimate how many you could do, and then we're going to test you. So how many teas do you reckon you can name in 30 seconds?
1: If I did, i will say <laughs> 18. No, be-
0: no,
1: that's probably too, that's far too high. I can't name 18. 18. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> I'll say 10. <laughs> so you're going
0: to go with 10. I'll okay. say 10. 10 in 30 seconds. So the thing here, how are we going to score this? Um, so if you get higher than 10, you don't get the score because you've estimated 10. Um, I should have really thought of this a bit more. But yeah, anyway.
1: and I, 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 this is um, so unfair, but go
0: <laughs> I don't, um, I'm out of my depth here. <laughs> no, okay. If you get 10 or more, you get the point. Okay. Okay. So, three, two, one, go. Uh,
1: builders' tea, uh, Assam, Darjeeling, Ceylon. Uh Earl Grey Lady Grey Halfway. Uh, Chai Oh Green Uh Timo Oh uh, Zoom. uh time. Uh How many did I get? You got nine. Oh nearly God I drew a huge blank there thanks for that <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're very close very close um okay so um what's my next question my next question is what is the oldest legend involving the first cup of tea ever consumed was it a a chinese emperor named Xinong? i don't am I don't know if that's how you pronounce that <laughs> around 2700 BC was it B a uh, Vedic spiritual leader around 900 BC that could be Vedic or Vedic uh, I mean I think it's open to interpretation there mm-hmm. is it C Ottoman Sultan Murad the two uh Two around one, uh, 1430 AD. I'm the world's rubbishest um master, aren't I? Or is it D, Queen Elizabeth of England around 1600 AD? First one. The Chinese and emperor?
1: Yes, because you... yeah.
0: Yeah. So as the story goes, Sh- uh, Shenong was resting under a tree when a breeze blew some leaves from a nearby
1: Yes, milia, uh,
0: <laughs> cinnsis plant into his cup of water, and the first cup of tea was consumed.
1: Yeah, that's how it started. Yeah, some leaves blew into uh, his tea in China, and uh, yeah, he then went on to make it a thing. I do know.
0: Sorry. <laughs> okay, last two questions. Um, question number. Well, it's not really a question; more of a, a challenge. Mm-hmm. I am not a fan of tea. You need to sell it to me in, in sixty seconds. Okay. Okay. Right. I really hate the stuff. I'm more of a coffee drinker. So you really got to sell it to me in three, two, one, go.
1: Imagine you've had a really long day. The commute was awful. It started raining and your umbrella broke. You you lost your house key. You don't know where your purse is. You missed the call for the job that you were going to get. And so you didn't get the job. Uh, You've had an argument with your partner and you've fallen out with your best mate. Uh, And you're just at your wits end really. And then you finally do get home. You have to uh, break into your own house. Somebody calls the police on you. (laughs) You don't get (laughs) to work, thankfully. You finally get in, dry off. And the first thing you see in front of you is Tetley's gold. It sorts you out. It's your whole day solved in 2 minutes you have the perfect cup of tea and all of your worries fade away i mean i feel like we need a round of applause for that if you've had that bad a day tea's going to make it better come on
0: i mean i feel like that was a very i really hope that wasn't a day that you had
1: like... i just have a very overactive imagination <laughs> That definitely hasn't happened to me. Uh, I promise you. I'll give you the point for that because that was fabulous,
0: and um, you sold it to me. So well done.
1: <laughs> I hope you don't really hate tea. I hope that's not a real thing. Is that real? I, I really do.
0: I'm sorry.
1: Oh. I'm really sorry. No, I like.
0: Oh, hang on. I like peppermint and fruity
1: teas. Oh, that that, that will work.
0: But just not like. I, but I'd just much rather a cup of black coffee with no sugar oh, or milk
1: oh, that's exactly how I drink my coffee. We should have done this on coffee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're coming back on the podcast because we've got other things to uh, discuss, haven't we? <laughs> okay, last question, but I think you've like won this quiz feature, like flying colours. How many varieties of tea are there? Is it A, 2? Is it B, 3? Is it C, or is it d5 i would have said higher than five so i'm gonna go for five you'd say higher than five okay well i did get this um quiz from somewhere else i didn't make up myself so (laughs) so i don't know um but okay Apparently, according to my source, and I will link to the source um, so people can take it up with them because I know that some people (laughs) are very passionate about their tea, including yourself. Um, But yes, apparently there's four. And Mm. um, so the four is black, oolong, green and white. Technically, herbal teas are called tinzan. How do you say this word? T-I-S-A-N-E-S. Uh, because anyway (laughs) herbal teas are called tinzans let's say because they don't contain leaves from the camellia Sinese plant that plant yeah um that plant yields four main varieties of tea which is what i just said
1: um um, on a technicality i would have tied those herbals in (laughs) so that's i
0: know but but you'd say there's much more than five
1: Well, I think it's, yeah, so when we talk about, like, the types, where they come from, probably there are fewer than it feels like there are when you sort of get granular, you yes. know, Grey Lady Grey, so, yeah, probably, I'll, I'll give that to you in the case you found. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I mean, you should be
0: buttering up the quiz master here, so. I know, I know,
1: actually, yeah, this is a fantastic quiz, it's the best quiz <laughs> I've ever taken.
0: <laughs> a hint, some sarcasm there, but I'm going to take it. Um... I'm, I'm, it really saddens me to say that this is the end of the podcast i mean um, i could just stay chatting about tea but ethics you know like SEO, okay.
1: <laughs> most importantly
0: sorry say that again
1: seo oh i do I, I missed seo <laughs> oh
0: god
1: really fun i've really really enjoyed coming on thank you for having me
0: oh well thank you f- yes thank you for agreeing to come on um and i definitely think this is a corker of an episode for our listeners um so martina if people want to um get in touch with you or see what you're talking about or what you're doing where can they find you in a coffee tea shop somewhere. I am in your
1: local, I'm in your sort of closest local artisan coffee shop probably <laughs> with a V60 and my nose in a book. But outside of that, if you want to look for me online, you can uh, find me on uh, LinkedIn, Martina Simon, but also my website is don'tlaughyet.com um, and it has loads of articles on digital marketing and different bits that I'm doing. So you can also find me there.
0: I mean, don't don't laugh yet. I mean, that's incredible. Like, what,
1: why? Why don't laugh yet? Because you don't know the punchline yet. <laughs> <laughs> you laughed again. Oh, <laughs> my
0: God. Oh, well, um, right. I need to do my admin. So, um, yes, SEO, SES. We are on Twitter. SEO underscore SES. Me and Hannah are both on Twitter personally. So Hannah is SEO SES Hannah. I am Sarah MCD UK or Sarah McDuck. Um, We're both on LinkedIn. Where else are we? Oh, you can email us. If you want to email us and say nice things, that would be flipping awesome. (laughs) So yes, our email address is hello at SEO SES podcast.com. If you are a regular listener to our podcast and um, you've not yet subscribed, please do, because I believe that helps with our podcast and all that jazz. Um, And yeah, if you're feeling extra generous, please do give us a review because that helps when people are checking out podcasts to listen to, they know whether to give us a go or not. Martina, I think... The only thing left is to say goodbye. And what are your last words of wisdom? Any words of wisdom? Don't laugh yet.
1: <laughs> Every it's time. Really <laughs> right, uh, <But> so, Let's <laughs> say. Yeah, no, my real words of because <laughs> you've failed, you've ruined that one now. So the real words of, uh, of wisdom, um, yeah, get digital um get using your apps your socials um having you know an opinion online um and and let's connect beautifully said i'm sorry i ruined your
0: first one (laughs) until (laughs) next time folks stay safe and i think we're still washing our hands are we that's the guidance so stay safe out there and yes goodbye